0: If you're our guest today, let me welcome you to Battleground Community Church and invite you to open up your Bibles. Whether they're a Bible like this or whether they're on your device, turn with me to Acts 1. Let me just explain to you as well our normal way of, of handling God's Word is through expositional preaching. And one of the things that means is we normally pick books of the Bible, we study it all the way through, every verse, every chapter... And we've been working through First Corinthians. And uh, just so you're prepared as you study your Bible this week, we'll be in chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians next week. So plan that as you as you study God's word along with us. But the last couple weeks we wanted to pause in Acts, and we last week we looked at Luke and looked at John the Baptist's father, Zacharias. He prophesied about Christ, that our redeeming Savior has come. He fulfilled the promises. They have been fulfilled in a man named Jesus Christ. He has redeemed us. And so, this morning, it, it is good here as we have almost made it to the end of 2019. If the Lord is merciful to us the next few days, we will. We need to recalibrate, like we said last week. Reorient ourselves. If you're our guest today, I pray this message is a blessing to you and that you can take it home and use it in your local church. But what we are doing today for ourselves is to correct. If our course has veered off a little bit, you know, we're like pots. We all got cracks and leaks and we leak and have to constantly fill, our, fill ourselves up and reorient ourselves. That's what we're going to do today. So stand with me to, our, to your feet as we honor God's word Acts 1, Christ has lived the life that we should have lived but could not. He has offered himself as an atoning, wrath-removing substitute for us and died on a cross and put him in a tomb. Three days later, he's alive. He's about to ascend. Praise the Lord. This is where they are. Acts 1, verse... 6 says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. This is God's word for his church. Let's pray. Lord comfort us and challenge us and reorient us and remove that which is distracting us from being about what you created us for we are about your glory and we will worship you forever and you have given us what that looks like this life Help us to bring glory to you today by the way we obey your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So the question to get ourselves thinking is, do I have a warped view of my mission? I'm just going to say this later. I'll say it now. It's a good quote. If everything is a mission, nothing is mission. If you can just ascribe mission to be what you are currently doing so that you feel good about it, then in turn, nothing is in fact a mission. So mission looks like something according to, to God's word. We're going to get to that. God's put us here to make disciples. So look at the disciples here in verse 6. Look at the question they ask. So when they'd come together, they asked, what did they ask him? Lord, you're going to restore your kingdom right now? It's go time, you know. Let's remove these Romans. Let's bring it in. It's time, Lord. Is it? Is, is it now? You see, our, all of our views gets warped. Why? Most likely, if we do nothing, our view of mission gets warped gets flipped upside down or just tweaked just a little bit. Well, what was tweaking theirs? Culture? Their own upbringing as, as Jews? Two things I think that is driving oftentimes why our mission gets a little askew It's me and mine mission. This is Belief that I'm saved, my kids are saved, so we're just going to tighten up and wait till Jesus comes and snatches us up out of here. That's a warped mission. There is no escapism in God's Word, there is the mission of God to the ends of the earth, and then He comes. Praise the Lord. That as Christians, we have the opportunity to bring the gospel to bear in our families and that we should. But the greatest thing you can show your children is they are not the mission. They are called to a mission. Ming and mind mission. That'll warp your mission. The other is exactly what was going on in the disciples. Here's, here, we, could, we would say it this way. Mission, I, I vote conservative, right? My mission is to just vote and, and maybe if the right party can get the House and the Senate and the presidency, oh, it's going to fix it. All you have to do is look back into history to say, uh, that didn't work, no matter which side it was. That's what they thought. God's kingdom is advanced through political means, isn't it? It's what they were thinking. Oftentimes we can fall into that. The apostles' expectation is that Jesus would set up his kingdom through political means and make their life more comfortable and more safe. Instead, look at what he said in verse 7. He said for you, basically, it's none of your business. (laughs) It's not for you to know. The Father has fixed the coming The setting up of his kingdom full and final. He said it. The date is fixed by his own authority. But you, see verse 8. They're connected. So Jesus informs his followers that their life is not going to be characterized by comfort and ease. By some kind of political savior. But by a life of mission. That points to the person of Christ. It's our main idea today. Two things. In Christ, we have received two things, a powerful promise and a clear command. He has given us this in order to fulfill the mission of God. This is our main idea and our two points. A powerful promise that should, in your main idea, that promise should really be capital P. The promise is a person that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We will be empowered for witness. I chose that word empowered intentionally. Empowered means into power. We are not speaking that God gives us strength in our actual bodies and that he does. It's another message. We're speaking of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You will receive Power When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, literally into you. Look back up a couple verses, verses 4 and 5. It says, While staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He wanted to make sure that they went to Jerusalem and waited for the power, for the Holy Spirit. Lest they take off in some kind of naive attempt to accomplish the mission without God. Now, that's possible. It is usually that we find ourselves going about something other than the mission that God has told us. And doing it in our own strength. Uh, Don't misunderstand what... We're going to get to this at the end. Don't misunderstand what he's saying. He's not saying the second coming is unimportant. Understand what the Bible teaches us about the second coming. He is saying that the surest route to the return of Christ is the evangelization of the world. That's what he's teaching us. Our business is not to pick the date. Our our business is to evangelize the world. That's what he gives us. This has a future tense. You see that? You will receive power. You will be my witnesses. That word will could be translated must. It has almost an imperative sense to it. You must receive power. And you must be my witnesses. This is not as Luke writes Acts. This is nothing new. He ended here. Flip back to Luke with me at the end of the book. I just want you to see it. He, he, ends, it, he ends the book of Luke and begins to the Book of Acts the same way. Luke twenty four verse forty five. Luke twenty four, verse forty five. This is Christ. The resur- after the resurrection, Christ opened their minds to understand the Scripture, and He said to them, "Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed." In his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of the Father upon you. Listen to this, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. What a powerful picture that is. Don't you go anywhere. Don't you engage this mission without power. Notice the elements that are there in Luke This in Acts. The witness, the call to the nations, the power of the Spirit, all there. This is not just any power, brothers and sisters. This is divine power. This is divine dynamite. That's the word. Dunamis in the Greek. It's divine and it's powerful. It is what Micah said, the power that rose Jesus from the dead. The same power that healed the lepers and raised Lazarus. That power. It is the Spirit's power. It's not your power. It's His power. He's in you. That's why we're powerful. Makes a difference. (laughs) It's the Spirit's power. He gives us a person. It's not mystical. I'm not telling you to go do yoga and empty yourself. We are not supposed to empty ourselves. We are filled with God. The giving of the Spirit is an essential prelude to the mission. Do you see that? It is what He uses, the very person He uses to equip us. It's why He tells us that the Holy Spirit, when we get in those gospel conversations, He will bring up to you what you put in. He promises it. Here's what He does not promise. He will not bring up to you that which you do not put in. He equips us. Listen, it's the truth of this word, this word witness. We're going to need it. <laughs> that's the way he gives it. Because witness involves two things, both work and suffering. Now, that's the opposite of what they were expecting, right? <laughs> God's going to, Jesus is going to set his kingdom up. He's going to set me, you know, they were fussing about which hand they're going to be on. He says, no, this is going to take work. This word witness here has a legal connotation. It's is to testify in court about what you have seen or experienced. Listen to John three eleven; It gives us this sense of what this word is getting to. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. You see the way that's used? We're simply bearing witness, we're testifying to what we have seen and know, and you don't believe us. Here's the question today. What kind of witness is a silent witness? Imagine this. One of your family members gets accused of a crime. It's serious. Good news. They were with you on the day of the alleged crime, right? And you know it. In other words, you are their alibi. They were with me. Court date comes and they're going to call you a key witness To bear witness to the truth and you go to the beach. Question. Would that not in itself be a witness? Would your silence not scream? The the false witness in Scripture is an interesting word. It's literally pseudo-martyr. That's the word you see. The word for witness in the Bible is the word martyr. And that quickly... And Christians became to be a sign of not simply bearing witness to the truth, but to be willing to lay your life down for that which you know to be true. We need power, and Christ promised it. And in the Holy Spirit, He gives it to us, not to some believers, but to every believer. We are given the power because we must be His witnesses, His. We are Christ. We are Christ's witnesses. We are witnessing to His, His person and His work, His gospel. This is why we call it God's Word. It's His. We are witnesses because the triune God always has a witness. Would you just see that quite simply this morning? Israel was chosen to be a witness. We did not... Start the mission of God in Matthew. Look with me at Isaiah 44, verse 8 and 9. just a couple. Just want you to see it. Israel was chosen to be a witness. Isaiah 44 and verse 8 says this Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from old and declared it? You are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not of any. Look what he says. All who fashion idols are nothing. And the things that they delight in do not profit. Their witnesses, notice that. Their witnesses neither see or know that they may be put to shame. Call up your idol. Call up your new car or your stone image and see if it bears witness to the truth. There's is only Israel was called to be the people of God for the sake of witness. Isaiah 49, just a few chapters over, verse 6. He says, Is it too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved Israel? I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation, listen to this language That my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. This is Isaiah. Israel was called to be a witness. Turn to John. God Himself is a witness. A witness to Christ. God Himself is a witness to Christ. John 5.32 says this. There is another who bears witness about me. And I know that testimony that he bears about me is true. Now look down a few verses to verse 37. John 5, 37 says this, And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen. The Father bears witness that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus himself is a witness. Revelation 1.5 Revelation 1.5 says this And from Jesus Christ the faithful witness the firstborn of the dead and the rulers of the kings of the earth. Jesus is the faithful witness because he rose from the dead and proved that every promise and every command and everything that he said was true. He's the son of God seated at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit, this is what I wanted you to see today in the context of Acts one The Holy Spirit is a witness to Christ. This is important. This is why He's in you. There's many reasons. This is, this is center. This is what centers us. I just want you to see some verses. You can listen or you can look at them. Matthew 3.16. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. John 15, 26 says this, But when the Helper, the Holy Spirit, comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about who? About me, about Jesus. Brothers and sisters, can I ask you just at this point, could we be grieving the Holy Spirit with our busy silence? The fact that in our daily lives and plans, the mission never never finds its place. Listen, we must never use... I have heard this. The one who is preaching to you is an introvert, so much so that I can almost be reclusive. God called me to preach... Now, that's almost an impossibility. But here we stand, brothers and sisters. So let us not ever dare to say that which way God has created you is a detriment for to be a witness. He created you to be a witness. He created your personality. It is who makes the best disciple makers. Oftentimes, it is the introvert who will grab a hold of some person and persevere with them whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, no matter what job you have, no matter what your family dynamic look like, he has called us to witness. 1 John 5, 6 says it this way. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is truth. 1 John 4.13 says this, And by this we know we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us the Spirit. You know you're a Christian today, because the Holy Spirit is telling you, you are in Jesus and Jesus is in you. That's how we know we're saved. Hebrews 10.14 says this, For by a single offering He has perfected for all times Those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant I will make with them. And after those days, declares the Lord, I will put their laws on their hearts. And I will write them on their minds. That is what the dwelling work of the Holy Spirit does in your life if you are saved. He writes it in you. That's what makes it better than the old Romans 8:15 says for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry abba father verse 16 the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of god now listen to me today brothers and sisters this is critical as we enter into 2020 The Holy Spirit does not testify that we are children of God to sit in idleness, but that we may be active on our Father's mission. God is active. Jesus is active. The Holy Spirit is active. And He has called us to be about His Father's mission. Witnesses are chosen. Witnesses are called. And witnesses speak. Are you too young to be a witness? If the Lord saves you, you're 10, you're 12 today. Are you just supposed to keep your mouth shut till you grow up? It's what I've told my children their whole life. Do you have less of God in you than I do? Is that what the Bible says? Or does the Bible say every person that He regenerates, He indwells with God the Spirit? And if he does, he's given you everything you need to open your mouth and declare who Jesus is to those around you. You are not too young, and nor are you too old. We do not work hard and retire to do what we want to do. He gives you the ability to work and retire so you can be more involved in the Father's business than you ever did when you worked. This is an opportunity. I had, right before we went off to break, a school, a local middle school, who called us and asked me if I had people willing to mentor middle school kids. The question is how do I answer them? So we're going to have a meeting, and one of them is going to come over the next couple weeks in the morning, on Sunday morning, and talk to us about it. You willing? What's the scope of our witness? Is it just King's Mountain? That you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Listen to what it says. In Jerusalem and in all Judea and in all Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That word all. You know what that means? We're not going to get this done in a day. It's, It's not like the project, you know. I'm going to get this done. I'm going to knock it out. We're going to set to it on Friday. We're going to have it done. This is not remodeling our kitchen. This is a lifelong work by which we equip other people. So when we go to be with our Lord, we hand the baton off to the generation after us. We need God. We need the power. We need a plan. And in Christ, brothers and sisters, make no mistake, we have a clear command. A clear command. I just want you to see this today. A lot I could say here. But we have a book of the Bible here that we have open. Acts. The Acts. If you've got your Bibles there, look at the very top. The Acts of the Apostles. What were their Acts. Right. Do you know that Acts one eight is literally just a summary? It is an outline of the book. So did the was the command clear? Was it vague? Did they understand it? Here's Luke's point. The book of the whole book of Acts. They understood the plan. They had the power and they went about the mission of their father. Acts 1 to 7, just want you to see a few of this right quickly this morning. Just, just peruse through Acts right quick. Acts 1 to 7, they are about their father's business in Jerusalem. Pentecost happened, you remember? Thousands of people were saved in Jerusalem. Peter and John begin healing, proclaiming, and suffering, you remember? We're told of the ministry of both Stephen and Philip that led to Stephen's execution in Acts 8.1. Remember, there was a man standing there approving, buying in a part of his execution. His name was Saul. Acts 8.1, and Saul approved of his execution. And there, look what it says, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, You see what God used to spread his his mission, the witness. What did he use there? Persecution. Notice that the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. Look down at verse 4, Acts 8, 4. Now those who scattered went about what? Preaching the word. Who were they? You. (laughs) The apostles stayed in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. The church began to get scattered because of suffering and they went about preaching the word. we are all called to be witnesses. In Acts 8.5, Philip goes down to Samaria. Remember, Jews hated Samaritans. Philip went down because of the mission of God to the city of Samaria Maria, and proclaimed Christ to them. Peter and John were so caught up with that that in verse 14, they went down to Samaria too to see what was happening. Something was happening, and in Acts 9, God smacked a man off his donkey and blinded him and saved him. Here's what he said. Tells a man that didn't want to go to talk to Saul, who's just been saved, a persecutor of the church, and God says, go, go speak to him. For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. And do you remember Acts 10? Peter's on the roof and there was a man named Cornelius, a Gentile, that was on his way to his house. Ha, I thought about this. It's funny, Micah. Just imagine, you got a group of vegetarians. Right? They're all together doing some meal prep and getting things ready. And an angel knocks on the door and he's, he's got a whole stack of Papa John's pizzas. They're all meat lovers. And he says, God said, eat it. He said, you don't know where, well, that might look good, but that, that's, not, that's not us. That doesn't look good to us. But you remember, it wasn't about the meat. You remember? It wasn't about that. It was about a man that was on his way. Acts 10.34, Peter finally gets it. Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. He was beginning to see. The gospel needs to go to the nations. God loves them. He died for them. This gospel needs to be taken to them. And in Acts 13, global church planning begins. Acts thirteen two. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying and laying their hands on them, they sent them off and the church planting movement started and we are a part of it, Battleground Community Church. We are a part of this history that began and the power of God came on the people of God and told them to proclaim the word of God to the world. And here we are. In the end of Acts, Acts 28, 31, Luke wants to make sure you get this point. That the last thing he points to is a man named Paul who's in a prison in Rome. And what is he doing? Verse 31 says, Paul is proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is the way Luke ends the Acts of the Apostles. The Gospel Transformation Bible says this, the book of Acts does not primarily provide human patterns to to emulate, to model, or to avoid. Instead, it repeatedly calls us to reflect on the work of God fulfilled in Jesus Christ, establishing the church by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are invited to enter and to participate in a story that is much bigger than we are. It is this powerful gospel that has transcended ethnicity and culture geography, wealth or poverty. This is the gospel that if you persecute it it will grow. This is the gospel that we have been told in God's word that every person must put their faith in Jesus Christ or they will perish. This is the gospel that will save all those who believe. Instruments in the Redeemer's hands. Paul Tripp puts it really well. Quoted this before but it's appropriate your life is much bigger than a good job an understanding spouse and non-delinquent kids it is bigger than a beautiful garden and nice vacations and fashionable clothes in reality you are part of something immense something that began before you were born and will continue after you die God is rescuing fallen humanity, transporting them into His kingdom and progressively changing them into His likeness. And He wants you to be a part of it. So what? So what today? Two things. One of it you may have said on before you pull, pick that up. Look with me at Acts 1.9. Because remember I said, Jesus is not saying that the second coming doesn't matter. Acts 1, 9 says, And when they heard these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why why do you... Stand looking into heaven. This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way you saw him go into heaven. This is the promise, brothers and sisters. He's coming. He promised that he would come in the prophets, and he came. He promised that he would provide a way of redemption, and he has. He promised that he would empower his people for the mission that he has given them. And he does. And he tells us he's coming again. And listen. I don't know what you believe about the end times. But Matthew 24, 14 better factor into it. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. He's coming, brothers and sisters. Therefore, just as the apostles and so the church, may we go on the mission of God. It's time to go, brothers and sisters. Matthew 28, 18 tells us very clearly what our mission is. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, beginning right here in Kings Mountain and going to the end of the world. That takes all of us being involved. And so based off of that, when we became an autonomous church, we adopted a purpose statement Because we understand that as people, our mission can oftentimes get derailed or get so busy with programs that that give us a sense of mission, but does not make necessarily a disciple. And so we adopted this purpose statement on the screen. Purpose of Battleground Community Church is to glorify God. We could have stopped there, you see. That's good. that's God's purpose that's the end mission is not the end worship's the end mission's what we do now we'll be mission in heaven no evangelization in heaven this is the work now Our purpose is to glorify God how shall we glorify God as a church three ways here in our purpose statement through Christ exalting worship as we grow in biblical community together or going with the gospel to all peoples, you see. There's churches dying today that's doing the first two. Did you hear what I said? It's good churches that are dying today because they do the first two. Church has been given a mission, brothers and sisters. And absolutely, that mission is costly. It costs our brothers and sisters their lives. And so... I wanted to put it before you today. I already got mine folded up because that's what Baptists do with all pieces of paper. When we, Don't we? we if we, if something we've got to check or sign, you've got to fold it up at least two or three times. Or I, if I'm not careful, I'll put it in my back pocket once I fold it up. It's called Let's Go 2020. I just want to present to you at least three ways, practically, that you can be involved in the mission of God. First, Kings Mountain is contacting us now with, for help in five events. They ask us, if I don't want to misspeak, Micah, you correct me if I'm wrong. They've asked us for help this, this year on all five events. One or two of them got rained out. Most of these deal specifically with ministering either to families and loving on families or children. Here's what I'm asking you to do now. I'm asking you to make an intentional plan for you and your family to serve and engage Kings Mountain in 2020 at these events. Let me, ask, let me tell you what, that's, what that involves. I even brought mine today. I got a brand new 2020. I came full circle. I used to use my computer, but then somebody would forget to write it down on the computer. I wouldn't set it to remind me, and I'd forget something. And Got a lot to do sometimes. We all do. I've got my little monthly planner. This is mine. I haven't filled it all out yet, but I can tell you what's going to happen Monday. Monday, my months begin to fill up. Yours probably already starting to fill up. Here's what's going to involve you. I'm not saying you need to get a paper planner. Don't misunderstand me. That's just my thing. I'm saying you got to make an intentional plan. And brothers, if you're sitting in your seat right there and say, I keep it all in my head. No, you don't. Your wife does. Somebody needs to say, what did Bodie Balkum say? You need to say amen or ouch, one or the other. That's true. Listen. Listen. If you and your wife don't get on the same page with the mission of God, life will be planned around it, and it will never happen. I am telling you, this is what God has given us to do, and it takes a plan to make it happen. I cannot plan your calendar. I can merely give you an invitation that God has placed us right smack in the middle of a town. And just as the Apostle said, He's put us in Jerusalem. We're going to bring the gospel to bear here. He has put us here. We must bring the gospel to bear here. And so we have a second way to not only do ministry in our Jerusalem in Kings Mountain, but also to expand. Imagine this with me. Imagine a doorway... A doorway. And no matter who you engage in life, no matter what problem they have, no matter whether it's post-traumatic stress, depression, they lost their job, they're just struggling in any particular area, imagine there's one doorway to be able to get them the help they need. That's what Gateway does. So I'm inviting you to help us develop the, the Gateway here in Kings Mountain. It's already happening in Gastonia. We're simply partnering with the YMCA Resource Connection Gateway to bring it to bear here. And here's what we need we need people to help in three ways. I need you to be a first responder. When someone fills out and says, I need help, you're going to be the first person to call them and say, Tell me about it. And then help direct them to the right people and the right resources. I need someone to help coach people. Simply helping them to, What do I do next? How do I do this? I don't understand. We're going to train you and equip you to do all three of these things. We just need people to be able to follow up with people, to say, hey, did you call Crisis Ministry? Were they able to help you? Did you get that survey filled out so that we can help you get on a financial budget? Will you be a first responder? Will you be a gospel coach for someone in Kings Mountain or Cleveland County Shelby, Bessemer City, wherever they come. You agree to be equipped to do that. And finally, the back page. Will you, will you go to the nations? These two places that we go are 3% evangelical Christians. You can walk around in Maine all day and, hard, and where we go and hardly find a believer. And so it is in Boston chose these intentionally because that's where our church planners are working and we partner with church planners to help them establish, equip the church. Will you plan now? If you don't plan now, it won't happen. Will you pray and plan to go? And if you can't, will you financially support someone who can? Will you pray? But let me tell you the first prayer I ever prayed in relation to this, going, Lord, do you want me to go? You know what comes next? Do you want my family to go? Lord, do you know? Yeah, I did that. Do you, don't you know? Yeah, he does. He knows your issues, right? He knows your barriers. He does. Guess what? It's God. He's God. He calls you. He equips you. He strengthens you. He'll provide for you. Brothers and sisters, I just wanted to lay this before you today. And I ask you, fold it up if you want to. Here's what we're going to do in just a minute. Micah's going to come, I'm going to pray. Mike is going to come, he's going to start leading us in worship. I just want you to stay seated. I even gave you an ink pen. I don't want you to make a quick decision. If you need to pray and think and talk to your spouse, please do that. But please, you need to commit. We're humans. We we actually need to do that. Right? We need to set a goal. We need to make a plan. We need to make a priority. And we need to make some sacrifices. And then we need to put it before God and say, God, this is what we're going to do to get on mission for Him. Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 comes after Hebrews 11, right? You know what Hebrews 11 is made up? I've had this conversation, I don't know how many times. I don't know how many times somebody's come up to me with somebody in Hebrews 11 to say, how did he get on the list? Brothers and sisters, you can answer that question if you ask how you got on it. (laughs) God uses imperfect people to accomplish his mission. Isn't that comforting? That Hebrews 11 is made up of heroes of faith, and many of them got problems. These are the cloud of witnesses. Some of them experienced victory in this life, some of them experienced nothing but pain. Here's what he says courage in the church. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, before the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seating at the right hand of God. Brothers and sisters, whether you are a member of this church or whether you're going to go home after Christmas and go home to a local church, we need... Individually, to help other people follow Jesus. What are we going to do? To be on a mission of God is not an option for a Christian. It is about obedience. It is the Christian life. And brothers, let's go. Let's pray. And so Lord, now as we heard your word, this challenge of the Acts of the Apostles, If we know anything of history, we do. We know when we make a resolve to go on a mission, the spiritual warfare intensifies in our life, and so we ask you to protect us, Lord. Every time we take a step towards the least of these, every time we open our mouth, the enemy attacks, and so, Lord, you know this. This. This is a war that you have called us to. And so Lord, teach us how to use our sword. Teach us when to know how to fight and when to bandage the wounds. When to fix something and when to listen. When to rejoice and when to weep. God, may we engage in the lives of the broken in Kings Mountain and and Besmer City and where we call home. Oh God, thank you today that we as your believers though we get tired and weary, we gather ourselves together and we gather with each other to encourage ourselves with this wonderful gospel that you have given us. So God, now receive our worship through what we sing through how we respond in mission, to how we give, and how we go in Jesus' name. Amen.